everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cup Duet Reviews Bonus Footage. I am Jillian Robinson, the associate producer here at Cup of Hemlock Theater, and I am joined by the brilliant Ryan Barakovich, one of our artistic producers. Hello, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Long time no speak. Long time no speak. So, Ryan. Let's just let our viewers and listeners know we are doing something a little bit different. So if you've listened to our Dinner is Served duet review episode, you're probably wondering why are we here talking about that again? Or if you watched on YouTube, why am I looking at them wearing the exact same outfits? Well, what Ryan and I decided to do is record some bonus in-depth spoiler footage for you all because this piece was so juicy and so immaculate and we really did want to kind of go map out what our individual journeys were in this show. So you're probably watching and listening to this after way after the fact that the production is closed. But yeah, we want to shout out these phenomenal artists and really get into the meat and potatoes. Very 60s North American cuisine specific of what dinner is served was for us. So again, this is a bonus sort of spoiler experience episode of Dinner is Served by Toes for Dance. It was an immersive dance theater experience that happened at the Campbell House Museum here in Toronto. It was choreographed and directed by Kristen Carconi and Ross Wurtman and Clinton Edward were the associate choreographers and directors. And yeah, yeah let's I, do I, it. I, I would ask you what's in your cup, but we are recording this immediately after we ended Same. last my my mug is empty. I finished it during the last recording, but you said stay hydrated at in the sign off of the other episodes. So I do have my bottle of water here nice. for that. Purpose. I also have some water, um, which stay also hydrated. I feel like we both have flowery patterns on yeah, our bottles. Isn't that is fun? <laughs> we wore little flowers as we walked through this immersive experience, so it's on theme. That Amazing! Now. Look at that. Didn't even know. Uh, so I guess which this speaking is... of didn't even know, we don't know what show we both saw. Yeah. Well, so let's just. We're going to, even though the run has ended by this point, we're going to put the spoiler maple cookie on the screen right now, just in case that happens to get extended or tour somewhere and people do get to see this later. Everything we say in this episode is spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. We did light spoilers in the last one, but this is where we really dig into it. Full fat spoilers. Okay, so we, yeah, we had completely different experiences. As we said in that other episode, you were following the character of the host and I was following the character of his secretary, his referring to the favorite. Very confusing. I'm just going to call her the secretary because that's simpler. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess we'll just you want to walk through your entire scene by scene what you saw. And then yes. I will do the same and we'll see if together we can piece what the actual full story of this was. Yeah. So again, the start of the experience, anybody who came to see the show, they were paired up with one of the eight main characters. There was a tenfold cast, but eight main characters. And so the character I was attached to was the host. And so I just, yeah, that was my initial instruction. Follow the host and go where they go. They might ask you to do something or hold something. You can either accept or, sorry, accept or decline. Um... So yeah, so the host took us out of the parlor space, the sort of introductory space that everyone was in at the start, and we walked all the way to the main level, just in just to the left of the main foyer, and it was like a front bedroom, and the actor playing the host was Rodney DeVarius, and Rodney, apologies if I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly. They were astonishing. I just want to start, and I shared this on our other episode, their acting and precision when it came to the giddiness and need to burst out loud and feel paired with the sort of drudged, very melancholic depression and feeling outside of their skinnedness that their character was experiencing Thank you, Rodney, for just displaying such 
humanity and exploring both of those sides. So in this first room, Rodney did a, the host did a solo piece. So there was two songs that I remember playing prominently. One of them was Feeling Good and the other one, like, I'm feeling good, that song. And then, you know, Sunshine, I believe that was the other one. And they were, there was two mirrors in the space and the host was obsessed with what they looked like and how... Yeah, like playing fidgeting with their clothes. They actually took off the dress coat and took off the vest and was just kind of like playfully feeling themselves with like their hat and everything. And then they would sort of like stop explosive dancing and you could tell there was something bothering them or they were sad. They would make awesome use of the bed, like flopping onto the bed or like jumping onto the bed and spiraling themselves off. They did really fun, like they went in the closet at one point and did really fun, like hand. Is this symbolism of some kind going into the closet? Based oh, on, yeah. Based, based on, on some things I saw this to. character do out the window. But. Yes. And mm. so there was like playful clown hands. So again, there was this jovialness that you could tell was inside this character and this like totally like vivacious life that wanted to explode. But then right when we left the room, everything came back to that's not the person I can be. I have to put on my vest and they actually had each of us help put on part like put on the vest there was a real coy way they had their sport coat and gave it to the same was going to give it to the same person put on the vest but then just kept walking and walking and walking and then at the very last of us allowed them so they they were kind of like flirting with who's gonna get to put my coat on but then just was so sad like again it was like I just wanted to give this character a hug. I was like, you have something going on. And at this time, I had no idea what was going on. It really was just, I knew that it was a human who, again, I things that peppered in my brain was like depression, anxiety, feeling outside of your skin for some reason. There wasn't any like through plot yet this is just the entryway into who this character was and so i left that room being like this character is not who they want to be in real life and let's keep unpacking so we then moved into the room across the hall which was set up kind of like a small dining space so there was a table with two chairs and my the guests of the host, me and the people who were following the host were brought into the room. And then in came the hostess and all of her guests. Excuse me. So then the host and the hostess did a duet. And I mentioned this on the last episode a little bit, but wow, these two painted the picture of like a couple that has to be together during this time, this era, has to put on the facade of we are the host and the hostess. But then we threw like childlike mocking movements, again, paired with the weight of what both of these people had going on, was just put into this like blender of like, masterful duet and the entire time they were like locking eyes with each other and each of them knew each other it's like they knew each other's secrets they knew each other's unhappiness but and they wanted to kind of tip the other one over but they also knew that they had to hold that that each other up and there was a beautiful piece of i mean many in this duet but where the hostess actually goes on the table and fully leans her body like diagonally almost like a clock on him and he's walking her around the table and then there was another moment where he picked her up and was holding her like lugging her on his back so there's so many there was so many things to unpack there of like oh i have this burden of something i don't want to be carrying but also i have to lift her up and her just like flitting around on his shoulders happy kind of half sad and then 
she was like waving to us. And then all of a sudden she was like transfixed by the engagement ring on her finger and was like, oh, like it was just this like. And then when she would get too mocky to him in his movements, he would very much like remind her that I am the man in this relationship and you will behave and you will do this. And so there was moments of her like being like, oh, right. Like know my place. Like it was just these like fiery humans that wanted to burst out of this relationship, go their own ways or find happiness, but know that they can't. So it's like they were each other's best friends, but also enemies at the same time. There was also a waltz moment where again, I was like, wow, what am I watching? It was the two bodies like getting ready and like arm framed with each other. But instead of holding like shoulder and hands, the hostess was holding the elbow of the host and his arm. And he, I I think he was, yeah, like holding her waist like usual. But I was like, wow, what does this mean of like people who aren't, a couple things pop in mind, like aren't necessarily kismet or their chemistry lacks. So like the image of the waltz isn't beautiful. It's actually quite distorted and grotesque. It's like their hands aren't meant to mold into each other. But then also like her holding his hand, right? And like the symbolism of like men back in that day and age and like violence. And this isn't to say I don't think my the host character necessarily was violent, but just that imagery of like, male versus female in that time and like this picture perfect postured dance with the woman holding the fulcrum of the hand of the house the hand that can decide right it just was like this wow so many images fluttering 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 through my brain speaking of fluttering eventually the hostess exited the space and our host was just sitting in the chair again I found this a lot with this character of the host is there would be the dance of whatever scene or room we're brought into. And then at the, almost at the end of every one, we were brought into this somber, like, I don't want to be here. I don't, this, what I'm doing is wrong and what have you, which is just like a lovely layer. So then the host goes to leave and he goes outside. And so I'm like, oh, this is neat. We're going to go outside. And I was the first one right near him, the host. And they turned back and just put their hand out to me. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to go. And then all of a sudden, the matriarch, I turn around, the matriarch says, my guests and the host's guests, please re-enter, please come into this space. So we re-entered the dining space. And the lady in red was already in there. So it was the lady in red, all of her guests, the matriarch, all of her guests, and then us, the host guests. And the lady in red, basically the matriarch put us in there and then was kind of hovering by the door. And the lady in red was doing this like explosive, think of like lady in a nightclub. She had fishnet stockings with her legs were fanning everywhere there. She had like a cigarette in her bra. It was just like an explosiveness and it was to whatever Lola wants. And she grabbed like the crystal, what is that called again with the alcohol? Is it like a glass? No, no, no. Like the crystal canister of alcohol. There's a name for it. I I don't know. I'm not a big Yeah. But, and like, and grabbed a glass and and she actually like gave me the canister to hold and one other guest the glass while she just kept dancing. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll hold this for you. And then the matriarch shows up and kind of, this is like, the lady in red like took her shoes off and she's like in the space and the matriarch picks up her shoe from behind and places it on her lap. And then the lady in red's like, okie dokie, maybe I shouldn't be doing this in here. But then you think maybe it's going to be like the matriarch trying to like remind her where she is. But actually it's the matriarch who comes in and is like, ha ha ha, I can tango this tango too. And they actually like, flirt dance the same dance moves with each other and then you see i'm just pulling up the actor playing our matriarch fanny fanny goryeb fanny apologies if i'm mispronouncing your name but just transform into like this maybe she was a youthful club dancer herself and like was fanning her legs around and like put her leg on the table and like they were like mirroring each other's dance moves 
And it just was like this like power and infusion of like women. And yeah, it was just like so lovely. And by the end of the dance, they were doing the exact same dance moves and cheering each other on kind of thing. But then again, tonal shift, the lady in red comes up to the window and it's like, what am I looking at? And then so does the matriarch. So at first I'm like, okay, I don't know if like we're supposed to look, but then by the time both characters were pulling all of their attention on the window, all of us started turning around and looking as well. And what do you know? It was the host who was out in the courtyard with the other man. And shall I call the other man the host's lover? And I was like, oh. And they were kind of like apart. And then they started like dancing together like lovers. There there was some lovely like intimate moments of like pushing each other up against like the cement columns or like on the grass. And it was just this like like lovely partnership of like, yes, these two are meant are together on another level than what we just saw of host and hostess. And yeah, it was astonishing. And as I mentioned the other episode, the soundtrack for that dance that was happening outside with the windows closed and the door closed, the song was playing in our red room. So I'm like, these actors, like, do they have it playing outside too? Or did they like... Maybe an earpiece of some kind? I'm like... I was like, this is magic. This is just astonishing. So their flirtatious dance kind of ends with the host kind of giving a kiss to the other man's head, but then walking away and almost being like, this is, you know, I got to go back to my like everyday life. We can't do this. And so the host comes back into the space, into the foyer, and we get kind of reunited with him again. And he takes us with the matriarch, actually. So the matriarch kind of brings her guests and the host guests into the foyer and looks at the host. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, that's your mom. Okay. At that point, we just knew her as the matriarch. So I'm like, that's the host's mom. And she goes upstairs and beckons him, but brings her guests with her first. And then the host brings us up to follow. And they go into another bedroom in the second level of the house. And what ensues is a duo dance between mother and son. Hmm. And I don't remember the exact song, but the lyrics, this at this section of my track, I very much was like the choreography was paired beautifully with the literal lyrics. Like the movements that Fanny was doing was exactly what was we were hearing on the track. But it was basically like mother loves you and like mother knows best and you know what you're not supposed to do kind of thing. And so basically what she does is she puts on like a veil over her head and like approaches him kind of in a kind motherly manner. But then she grabs a necklace that has a crucifix at the bottom of it and like dangles that in his face. And then she goes at some point of the dance and grabs a Bible and gives that to him. So again, without using actual words, basically saying to her son, remember yourself, this, you know, this is sinful. You are a man, you have a wife, I am your mother, I love you, but banish. And there, oh my gosh, there's choreography where like she raised up her arms and then like sweeped them down, like almost like she was trying to summon the like homosexuality out of her son. And then he kind of adopted that, but like would sort of go away from that and just pushing and pulling of what was being the religious values being tossed at him literally with the Bible and the necklace. And again, there was this lovely moment of leaning. The host picks up the matriarch and just like trudges her in the space. And then there's a moment where the host is just standing there and about to fall and the mom's like picking them up and trying to like get turn them around to the next direction but then they're falling again and then so it's just this like talk about again miscommunication and like no movement no words are going to sort of fix him and then the matriarch ends up leaving 
and we follow the host again and we go all the way down to that parlor space that we started the experience at. But this time it's set up kind of like what I thought would be, again, like a speakeasy or like a house that that was for like homosexuals or a place of expression and I think the fact that we got to go like into the basement of a space was kind of had that feel as well. Descending so there was, into the underworld. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was music playing and we actually were beckoned and welcomed by the lady in red who was dancing her way around the space. And who we see now is the other man who is wearing their blazer, but now a pink cocktail dress and had a full face of makeup. And earrings. So it almost was like the lady in red and or the other man were inviting the host to come into a space where you can express yourself, be you, we love you. And there was such a camaraderie and a companionship between these three. And the beginning of the piece is like the lady in red and the other man trying to kind of loosen up the host and get him to dance And again, the lyrics of the song in the first one was about like Romeo and Juliet. And it was like lovely, like started with the lady in red, kind of dancing with the other man. And then things switch where the other man was like the Juliet to the host's Romeo. And then things switched again where the host is standing on like this bench and the lady in red ties like a blanket around him. So now the host kind of adopts like a female persona. It was just like the subversion of gender and like just yeah fun space of these friends just like throwing every sort of societal like norm and pressure out the window and then so before you move on too much because i just want to comment on that because i my group we passed by the other man's group several times in the hall so at one point i noticed that oh they're wearing a dress underneath the blazer i wonder what the story with that is and and then obviously they were still wearing that at the end when we all converge on dinner but i was wondering if i was very curious to do this comparison of notes with you to wonder like when did that happen that they change into the dress is there like they have their own group that's following them so i imagine that there is a story behind that but you 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 also weren't privy to that you got to see the payoff of this costume change but not the actual process by which it came about narratively yeah because we showed up to this like speakeasy club and the other man was actually like sitting there with like a hunched down and like hands on their laps being like Mm -hmm. i'm waiting for you kind of thing And then the three of them started, the lady in red took the rotary phone and used it as a, so Ain't No Mountain High Enough came on and she used the receiver as like a microphone and was like getting some of like the guests to do it too. And then the other man was using something as well. But then I remember the host bent down. I was like, oh, what is he doing? Unplugged like one of the main lamps that was like used as spotlights at the beginning of the piece. And, like, totally picked up the body of the lamp and put the lampshade on his head and then almost had it like a studio mic, like he was singing into the studio mic and then was doing, like, fun dance moves with a lampshade on their head. And I was like, okay. So this is the part, for the record, that in the previous episode you said was really fun and kind of only alluded to obliquely. Yeah, yeah, because then all of a sudden the other man and the lady in red are, like, perched on the stairs doing like choreographed dance and then the host just finds themselves in front of that triangle doing the dance with them too so the three of them are just doing this like synthesized dance together and then all three of them start grabbing guests and bringing us onto the dance floor so we were just having a dance party to ain't no mountain high enough and like singing and snapping and clapping together And then all of a sudden the chef comes in and goes like this and says like dinner is served. So Mm -hmm. then we go (laughs) into the dinner space, which I say, let's talk about the dinner itself after. Because we all saw the same thing there, but we thought we did notice different things based on the story we'd seen so far. So yeah, we will return to that based on our, you know, now after we compare this knowledge. Okay. So I guess it's my turn. I, 
I don't expect my descriptions to be as thick as and rich as yours were. I don't remember all of the songs that played, apologies, but I kind of will do my best to get the main narrative beats. And again, apologies if I miss one, but I think just get the basic track. So right after we have the opening scene that we were all privy to, we I was following his secretary, the favorite secretary, played by Christine Flores, or Flores, again, apologies if I'm mispronouncing your name. And she was so fun because she was introduced in that opening a bit, very mousy. She like, has her glasses on. You kind of expect, <laughs> you know, there's clearly more to her than meets the eye. But the phrase I want to use is buttoned up, even though she was just wearing a normal green dress that matched our little flower. She wasn't buttoned up by any means, but there was, you could tell right off the bat that there's more to you, that there will be a sort of sexy librarian moment of like, let your hair down and everything's going to be... And that you didn't have to wait long for that to happen because the first room we went to was that little sitting room or sorry, not sitting room, but kind of like small dining room that where you had the scene where you looked out the window as well. And we are brought in by the secretary to see a scene that was going on between the favorite and his wife. And we are watching that and we see them having a bit of a lover's quarrel they're arguing. She, as we saw in the opening scene, she, the wife, has been drinking and she spills some liquid on herself. And the favorite is not having this on his big night that she's making a fool of herself. He, like, aggressively takes the glass away from her. And they have this very intricate dance scene that is essentially their quarrel on and around the table and it's so well done like they're doing like a lot of movements and pounding down to punctuate the thoughts and he's so dismissive of her he keeps doing this kind of thing that oh sorry the host and the hostess for doing that too so so clearly the choreographers have a sense of this is how we semiotically communicate dismissive husbands yes Um, this and yeah and the fact that we they probably knew that nobody who saw one scene would see the other so that they could get away with cross-pollinating. So it's fun that we are now comparing this. But also it's like the same signs, like you're yeah. saying, like signage of like, this means that. Yeah. Yeah. In- yeah. Like why reinvent a whole different visual grammar of dismissiveness yeah. when you have this perfect idea right. already here. But it was like so fun. Like, again, like I said in the last episode, it was so easy to follow what was happening in the scenes, even though there were no words being used this wasn't a verbal interaction but their bodies communicated it so effectively so yeah so they had this scene and also we spent a lot of time in my track with the wife she popped in and out of a lot of scenes the performer who played her is laura carella and she was such a stage presence throughout all of this too i'll talk more about certain scenes that she came in but there were several instances where she was like looking me right in the eyes and i felt like she was peering into my soul she has such an expressive face and of course as everyone is such a talented dancer and actor Mm -hmm. in all of this that she definitely deserves a shout out there but then after we have this lover's quarrel scene The wife exits and we're still here with the secretary who guided us into this room and was watching this scene transpire. And then Elvis's Can't Help Falling in Love with You begins to play as we have the favorite and the secretary alone together. And they do this beautifully choreographed, for lack of a better word, a sex scene. But one that the intimacy direction in this piece, I'll also say, was so well handled by, I have the intimacy director's name here, Lisa Stevens, because the way that they played with movement and distance in this scene, where there was this constant sort of like flow of one of them being like lying or crawling over the table while the other crawled under it. Mm. And like visually this, like I think symbolizes so much of there's this like literal barrier between them, this physical decorum, the structure of the household and entertaining and party. Yeah. And dinner is served like food, the hunger doing it on a literal table. Yeah, Exactly. But the table creating this, you know, actual barrier that's preventing them from really getting at each other. Yeah. But like the way that one of them would be underneath and the other would be on top and it you feel like there's physical things like actually happening between them this intimacy that is withheld but it's just so well handled and yeah to the tune of the very familiar elvis number very much really really sold the moment and then just as they're finishing this the wife returns into the room and sees the rest of it so right off the bat we know that she is aware that this tryst is going on between her husband and his secretary So then the secretary awkwardly leads us out of the room. We followed her. We don't know what else happens in the room that we leave behind. 
and we go up to the I'll call it the little bedroom. I don't yep. really know whose room it was supposed to be. I know we're in the host and hostess's house. So I think it was the matriarch. So if it was it with like the red, the burgundy. Yeah, it was setting? kind of like. Yeah, actually, I'm now I'm struggling to visualize the okay. sheets, but it kind of had like green walls that overlooked that front courtyard and the window, which I'll get to in a moment. Okay, how yeah. important that overlooking is, and it had like. Oh no! One, yeah, I don't think I was in that room, but okay, yeah, it, it had one kind of like just maybe slightly larger than a single bed or like a double bed, okay. but it wasn't like a large king or queen size bed that you might expect cool. the master bedroom to look like. Right. And part of me, again, if you recall, I had a, a slippage in the previous episode where I accidentally said that it was the home of the favorite hosting yes. this party. And part of me in this scene kind of assumed that this was his bedroom with his wife. Part of because of some of the narrative things that'll have that I'll get to in a moment. But yeah. now I'm rethinking, oh, maybe this is someone else's room and it's different. Or it might very well be the matriarch's room that you're thinking of. Hard to say. Right, yeah, yeah. So the secretary sits down at this little table that has jewelry lying on it. Maybe this helps call to mind if you saw this room as well. And she's sitting there and she's like trying on earrings and necklaces. And as we come into this room, depending on where you position yourself, you may have very quickly noticed or very slowly noticed as I did based on where I was positioned in the room that the new maid played by Brie Clark was hiding behind the bed. Oh, cool. Okay. And because she doesn't have an audience of her own that's following her, I don't know if we're supposed to know or surmise or if some people know why she's there. Maybe there was another scene that was previously that contextualizes that, but we're just watching the secretary trying on these earrings. And at some point you realize, oh, we're not alone in this room. There's somebody else here. <laughs> and Bree stood up at one point and slowly walked towards her. And because she's the secretary is looking in the mirror, she has the moment of, ah, oh, somebody's behind me. Yeah. And there's this like, pause for a moment and then they do the thing that you always see in movies where they start laughing and they're actually buddies okay yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah. there was this like moment of tension of oh busted maybe but no we're they're in cahoots and what we realize through the wonderful dance scene that happens between the two of them in which they're sharing pieces of jewelry with each other is that if i understand it correctly these two are robbing the either the host and hostess. I imagine because I would say that the new maid is the maid in the host and hostess's house. But it also seems very much that the romantic relationship that we just saw between the secretary and the favorite may also be part of this large ruse and a criminal scheme that the two of them are in on. It's kind of the downstairs people in this class dynamic of yeah. the story that the two of them seem very much on the same page with each other. And the dance that they did between each other was the maid would put like this pearl necklace around the secretary's neck and they'd kind of like do this like swoopy dance together about how cool. like we are pilfering all of these items and they would share like large beautiful earrings and put them on each other's ears and share them pass them back and forth between so it was very much a thick as thieves kind of partners in crime relationship that we saw between them then the secretary left the room similar to what you said the host did when they went outside and we were not following we stayed in the room with the new maid and were kind of instructed to look out the window after the new maid did a bit more of a dance with the necklace and the jewelry that was being stolen, presumably being stolen. She starts looking out the window and notices that we see a continued dalliance happening between the favorite and the secretary, perfectly choreographed to the song we were hearing in the room, yeah, as wow. you said, which was so good. And this one is much more physically hands-on than the beautiful table dance that we saw in the previous scene, that they are all over each other. They are completely still beautifully choreographed as a dance, but viscerally intimate and no yeah. barriers anymore. And nice. I guess we... This seems to be a recurring motif here in terms of the true sexual energy that can happen in, I guess, like a Hobbesian state of nature that happens outside, uh, or more of a Rousseauian state of nature because it's like beautiful and they're able to actually be physically intimate with each other in a way that they couldn't in the interior structures of the house. Right. Uh, but the funny thing about that is we just saw the scene where we realize that, okay, I think there is something a little mischievous going on where the downstairs people might be stealing from these rich folks. 
And we are watching this outdoor dalliance basically through the eyes of the new maid. Because we're watching her. She's the character who directed us and she's like smirking at this. So it almost feels like this is very much according to the plan. Oh, yeah. Distract him with your sex body while we steal all of the jewelry, basically. <laughs> so th that was fun. And uh, yeah, Brie got to do more dancing in the room, kind of like celebratory. We're getting away with this. This is all going so well. And uh, I forget the exact order if she left before the secretary returned or if they had another moment together and then the maid left. But then the secretary returned into the room after having this whole, you know, sex scene outside, basically. Oh, and the funny thing about that, that maybe you noticed this too in the scene that you saw that happened outside, but it's in the middle of this open air courtyard that is only divided from the outside world by this like iron fence. Yeah. So I could see people on the, like walking on Queen Street watching this yeah. happen and just being like, <laughs> and even though it was beautifully choreographed as a dance, it did kind of just look like people making love to each other. And yeah. I, I wonder what the people walking past thought. Did they realize this was a theater show? They couldn't see an audience because the audience was all inside the house. <laughs> that it kind of just looked like, wow, these people are really into each other. <laughs> which right, I thought right, was right. Funny. <laughs> so yeah, and I'm sure you had similar yeah, thoughts about with, the scene with you the saw. the host and the other man, yeah. So then the secretary returns into the room and she is left alone with us. And she's kind of dancing around the room. And part of us, we can't tell, is this dancing about how well the jewelry caper is going? Or is it about the physical relations that she just partook in? And she notices that there's a box underneath the bed that she pulls out and there's this wedding dress in it. Which was part of why was making me think that, oh, this must be the wife's dress. But right. now thinking about whose house is this, whose room is this, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's the matriarch's wedding yeah, dress. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it's the hostess's wedding dress. Part of me still wants to say that it's the wife's dress, but I don't know how maybe that works in this relationship yeah, here. Yeah. But she, the secretary, tries on the dress and puts it on and the funny things in terms of the interactivity she came up to me and wanted me to like zipper or button up but i'd never handled a wedding dress before and i couldn't quite figure out which part to take and she very politely stepped aside like sorry and had somebody else in our little cohort do that which was very funny <laughs> but yeah silly me and my lack of knowledge of handling wedding dresses but yeah so she puts on this wedding dress and she's like very much like living in this moment and she jumps on the bed and dances around the room twirls and then she's kind of starts to break down a bit and again also wonderfully choreographing the dance and she looks at herself in the mirror and she does like prayer hands but then forces them away and it's like a lot of like mm. tug and pull like there's a what I got from the scene is that she's having a crisis of faith of I have genuine feelings for this person who I'm duping and mm. I would like to be married to him maybe mm, and mm, but mm. what am I doing like is this right is this wrong I don't know how I feel and it was just like such a tormented moment where she really like broke down crying and all of this and who yeah. it was like yeah chills all over and then still wearing the wedding dress we exited the room and who do we happen to run into in the hallway outside of the room is the wife with her group of people mm. and she gets a look at the secretary who we remember we she's seen her doing things with her husband mm -hmm. and now she's wearing the wedding dress that i just assumed is her wedding dress maybe mm -hmm. that's incorrect and hard mm -hmm. to say there was not vocalization to clarify things but she was furious and as we quietly tried to go downstairs she and her group were hot on our tail following us down the stairs and we then returned to that the room where it all started all of the furniture had been cleared at this point the room that you later said looked like a speakeasy yeah and in that room the lady in red was already present there i don't this was the first time that we'd had any scene with her she mm -hmm. entered in that opening scene arm in arm with the other man, but we don't really know what her deal is. And mm -hmm. honestly, I still am not quite confident even having seen this next scene that I'm about right. to describe. But she was already in the room as uh, yeah, the secretary led us and the wife was following very closely behind. And the two of them got into this very, very intense physical altercation and yes yeah, so, the wife and the secretary uh, yeah the wife and the secretary and the woman in red or lady in red was there 
kind of trying to be a referee, being very much caught in the middle, but there was no stopping the wife from. And remember, she's been drinking a lot at this point. So it was, I want to say, sloppy (laughs) fighting. Like, it wasn't elegant by any means, but of course Mm -hmm. it was still done in this dancey way that is quite, quite visually evocative. But yeah, so as the two of them fighting, the wedding dress came off, the earrings and shoes came off, and they're kind of blows to blows, fist to cuffs happening here. And the lady in red trying to intervene, but having a hard time. And there was a lot of, it was just, yeah, very well done. Like, in addition to, I don't know, is there a credited fight director here? Because I'm trying to, it was very, very, just very well done fight choreography, similar to how well done the intimacy direction was. Um... I'll keep describing while you see. Yeah, you can yeah, find yeah. <laughs> and then, so after the like this, you know, there's no winner in this fight. I guess you could say that maybe the wife won or got close to subduing her opponent, but you know, they all just kind of like retreated to separate corners of the room, were completely out of breath, and then they kind of start laughing. Starts with just like very like <laughs> giggle, and then. All three of them are doing it. They're looking at each other. They're making eye contact with us. The wife was sitting on the floor very close to me. And like I said, she has a very strikingly expressive face and was kind of like looking at me a lot, like trying to jolly me into laughing with her. And as they're laughing so hard and so loud, it like builds an intensity. And then before you know it, they're crying. And you couldn't even tell the moment where laughter turned into crying. It's one of those kind of, you know, interesting moments. We've seen versions of it before, but it was stunning how we got that transition without even knowing as if laughter and tears were identical emotions in this case here. And... Then we kind of just, I don't think I'm forgetting anything specific in between, but I think that we kind of got up and followed, oh, oh, we got into a group huddle together where everybody kind of just like, okay, let's breathe, we're cool, that got it out of hand, but, and then we retreated outwards to go further downstairs into the kitchen or actually maybe maybe we went i actually was it downstairs or it had like a real downstairs feel this little kitchen alcove that we were in but maybe it was even upstairs from where that room was the spatiality is escaping me at the moment but (laughs) but then we had what was probably my favorite scene in the whole piece which was the kitchen and in the previous review episode i described this as calling to mind the steerage from titanic these are Mm. all of the downstairs characters getting together and kind of having a good time and after the physically intense couple scenes we've just had this was a much needed respite similar to the scene that you ended on before going to the dinner of you know sexual liberation and freedom things are finally like a good cool vibe this was just a fun moment where we were with the new maid the chef the wife and of course the secretary who brought my group in there all four of them sitting around this table and they handed out spoons to each of us and a napkin. And first I thought, oh, they're going to serve us something to eat. So I put the napkin on my laps. Other people were like tucking it into their (laughs) shirt like Fred Flintstone. But then we realized that the choreographed dance that they were doing around the table was polishing silverware and they were encouraging us to. Wow. So that's fun. So where we thought we might be fed, we are actually, no, you are being put to work to get things (laughs) ready for dinner. Um, But it's a very fun dance that is quite rhythmic and they're you know we have our napkins we're polishing these spoons they're handing them to each other in interesting ways and then they start getting more into it and more vibrant and they take out a bottle of some sort of clear alcoholic beverage and they pour it and the chef very much makes sure to you know let's cut the wife's portion in half because she's maybe had a little too much already (laughs) but yeah they drink and it becomes very festive and the chef and the new maid who we've seen little bits of here, the chef maybe less so, but even during the opening scene, we saw they did a little twirl dance together. There's something going on between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which gets paid off in the final dinner scene that we'll talk about soon. But the two of them have these amazing, exciting, lively dances together. Like I talked about in the last review, Mm. how he lifted her up kind of around where her feet were touching the walls and then 
touching, like walking along the ceilings and like this wow. whole flip. It was amazing. Bree's athleticism is just fantastic in terms of being able to- We love this, Bree! Yeah, the Spider-Man dance. I didn't know other way to describe it. Uh, then like they got a broom out and doing like this interesting dance with a broom and then got the broom out to do like a limbo and we were all encouraged to join and to do oh my a gosh, limbo. That's awesome. it, it was so fun. It is so lively. And then we eventually got the instruction that, okay, it's dinner time. Go, 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 everybody. No more fun. Like, we have work to do. And you know, we all had to collect our napkins and spoons, put them out there. And it was all time for us to go onward to dinner is served. And this brings right. us back to the point where we converged to the final scene where everybody's characters brought them into the same dinner space. Yes. How should we go about describing this? So I first want to, now that we've both mapped out our trajectories, the other man, the hostess, the chef, and probably Lady in Red, or we probably didn't see a good chunk of yeah. those characters' trajectories. Mm -hmm. They came into our stories, but or some of yours, some of mine. Some of, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I, I feel now hearing everything you said, uh, yeah, I was, I was curious to what extent will we have seen the entire story or the bulk of the story between yeah. the two of us, and it still feels like there are significant oh. gaps. Yeah, well, not necessarily significant, but just like, yeah, like I think all, because to me, like even the way they're mapped out at the beginning, like Lady in Red and the other man, like to kind of seem like our tertiary main characters, like mm -hmm. like in their relationship to like the favorite and the hostess being brother, sister. Mm -hmm. I also wonder if they had a dance at one point or a sibling well, thing. Yeah, and well, I guess the interesting thing is when I just think about how much is going on with the characters that I saw, like the whole jewelry caper that if you were not following the secretary, you were probably not privy to that happening at all. I yeah. wonder, like somebody who was following the Lady in Red as their principal character, she would probably feel very much like the main character in her own story to that yeah, audience. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so I, I do feel like there are significant gaps that just simply by virtue of not following this character and that character we have not seen. And I'm not saying the story was lacking. I think no, by yeah, the end, yeah. we even just with our before comparing notes like this, we had a good sense of the main large storylines. But yeah, I wonder when did the other man get into that dress? The audience mm. that was following them would know exactly when that happened, exactly. but we don't. And I just yep. had this interesting moment passing them in the hallway, like, oh, you're wearing mm -hmm. a dress now. I wonder what that means. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. And I just, I wonder too, like, like I never got to go into the kitchen, like the host never goes to the kitchen area, but mm. like the hostess probably does. Because I also like remember anytime we didn't see the hostess, like if she was... In the choreographed bit, obviously she was in our storyline. And then there was like a moment where she passes the host on the staircase, but that's it. That's all I ever see of her. So I'm like, oh, she probably went to the kitchen at some point and like checked on the food and maybe did a little bit there. Like, yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like I, I knew that the host and hostess must be important characters by virtue of like we're in their home and mm -hmm. they feel significant. And also something I think I forgot to mention, I alluded to this both in the previous episode and in this mm -hmm. one, that while the wedding dress sequence was happening in the bedroom scene, that was when I looked out the window and saw the outdoor scene that you saw. Because oh, I was just able okay. to notice that there's people out there, what's happening, and I didn't miss a lot of the wedding dress dance to be able to see that, oh, I them see. two is having relations out there, oh, which, which I was glad I got to see because that did, I had no interaction with the host in any of my core scenes, so, or the other man for that matter, so seeing that, okay, I have a handle on what's happening between the two of them, right. and seeing the opening scene gave me a sense of, okay, you're married to her, and the lady in red was your date to this party, that right. I, could, I could infer what some of the drama and tension might have been just because of the glimpses of it that I was able to get out the window, but otherwise the hostess as a character meant very little to me. I knew from the opening scene that yeah. she was the favorite sister, but she did not interact, which I will say this is not really a critique, but just like a minor huh thing I'm thinking about is that the final moment that we're left with that we'll talk more about this yes. scene of her basically saying, get out of my house. 
I felt like I was missing some important context for, well, what is you, what has been happening with you? What is your journey? Like, I get that this has been a high tension night for everyone, but I would have liked to maybe have had more interaction with you to really feel the weight of this mm. final moment. But, you know, this is the nature of the immersive experience and the yeah. specific trajectories that we are sent on. I think also just seeing it as like a broad stroke statement of like, think of how many women back in that day of like, get the frick out of my house. Like, yeah. I don't want to put on another dinner party. Also fake. We're all dying inside. We all hate our lives, potentially. Everything's fake. Get out. Like, mm -hmm. Before I go wipe off today's makeup, quickly put on tomorrow's makeup and go to sleep so that my husband can wake up the next morning with a full fresh makeup. Like, it's like, you know, like, but I guess, yeah. So let's kind of get into about, dinner. Let's served. talk about dinner. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. So we all get sort of funneled into this giant banquet hall dining dining thing not giant, but just like a whole, basically the whole half of the upper level of the house. And, the spectators are all on like one half and the table is extended, but like our half of the table is just kind of like set deck. Mm -hmm. There's like the napkins and plates and cups, but just to kind of set the scene, which you kind of clue into quite quickly. And then the other half of the table where you're watching is where all of our characters are coming to dinner and each kind of comes in at like a certain time and almost instantly it's funny. I thought I was like, okay, we're going to get like a little, like not necessarily a speaking scene, but like a scene where like they're doing the stereotypical like passing of this dinner. Blah, 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 blah. But no, it's like it was like almost instantly. If you were following one track, you got to the horror gut punch of the track you didn't see and then vice versa. Like it was through a choreographed moment that was repeated. So for my track to kind of let Ryan's group or people know, mine actually came second, but the, actually I'll reverse it. Sorry. For sure. my brain to get caught up with Ryan's track, um, the favorite is the last to show up and he's like all disheveled hair and this like stuff's everywhere and everyone kind of like puts their attention on him and then who comes shows up after that is the secretary so it's well, like oh they had a little they had a little tiff can i add something to that yeah because yeah yeah simply by virtue of where you were standing in yeah. that final dining room scene you couldn't see something that i could see and that's oh. which is that out the door that we came in through was the favorite and the secretary making out up against the doorpost. Oh my god! So if, so if he looked disheveled and she looked discombobulated, I could see from where I was standing that they were mid. But they were canoodling, and that's Lovely. why. And that's why they were the last ones to show up. And I imagine if I could see it, the other characters could probably also see it. The wife kind of was like going around the room and like, have you seen my, where is he? She's like looking yes, out the yeah, windows yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, I kind of wanted to be like over there, but I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't direct her attention to what's happening. I have my loyalty to the secretary. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So then the wife, yes, is onto them and instantly she kind of takes control and this beautiful choreography of again she's been drinking and again i didn't really get to see much of this character throughout the whole story so right now it's like okay cool like a kid in a candy shop right of like look at this new piece of candy i've never seen before and she wa was gonna walk forward regardless and the other characters kind of pushing chairs to kind of create a pathway for her to walk on so that she doesn't <laughs> yeah. fall and then she just basically calls them both out and actually brings their heads together and makes them kiss in front of everyone and it just was a huge like if you had like a big paint bucket and this like pristine 50s, 60s canvas and just splattered like yeah. etiquette, you're out of here. Decorum, you're out of here. Like it was just this grotesque like, this is going to be my swear word. Fuck it. Like, fuck you. Blah, 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 blah. So that was like a lovely like just again, for someone who didn't really get a scope into that track, it just reified for me like, okay, yep, those two had something going on. The wife wasn't happy with it. She outed to this pristine dinner party and then very quickly 
kind of, again, for Ryan to get intel about what I had watched, you have the hostess sort of start pushing the other man to the center of the room. And then the matriarch pushing the son, the hostess, her son, to the host, sorry, her son to the middle of the room. And you think, oh my gosh, they're both going to make these characters kiss. But then slowly the other man and the host are kind of like turn so that they're, they just hit back to back. And there's this paused moment of like, we thought we were probably going to see these two like characters kiss similar to what we just saw, but instead it was like they're back to back. And then the whole company starts like looking towards us and laughing like, like, Almost like, oh, they couldn't be or like whatever. So again, taking on your pain bucket and being like, this is blasphemous. This wouldn't happen. And or like, you know, like it happened, though. We've all seen it happen. But like, oh, it's okay, It's okay. So then that ends up kind of being the theme of the dinner is like these raucous moments like of like the chef, like picking up the maid and throwing her on the table or like a little, a choreography between the host and hostess of them, like not understanding each other. These like raucous, like rip off the skin innards were sort of seen of all these characters. And then like a big laughter happens. And then like, we go back to just doing a dinner party. And then like collectively, they're all like banging their heads on like a chair or a wall or something. And then they laugh about it and it's fine. It was like ladies who lunch meets like, screamo mosh pit like just like anarchy up the wazoo like it just it was astonishing and just to see like the also the dynamic shifts and like the high status versus low status and to the point where like as specific as anything the hostess would do the matriarch would make sure that she would step in front of the table closer to us and do the same motion and so you again you had that mother-in-law daughter-in-law yeah, symmetry kind of yeah 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 so do you want to add well, to the table oh, i don't know you're doing a good job of describing it and by this point we all had the same experience me yeah. approaching this scene through the having followed the lens of the secretary i was very happy to be positioned where i was where i could see the canoodling happening in the hall mm-hmm. uh, and i imagine that was deliberate that the secretary's audience was brought into the room in a way that would allow us to see that because it is the continuation yep. of our story not that mm-hmm. anything new is happening as far as we, we've seen this dalliance happen a lot throughout this, but knowing that is happening immediately before both of their late entrance into the, yeah. the scene. Um, and yeah, like we've seen so much of the feuding tensions between the wife and the secretary, especially in that very violent scene between them that happened prior. So the final payoff of the squishing their faces together. Part of me kind of wondered when we got to this point that I, for audiences that didn't get to see the fight scene and then the kitchen scene, I, I wonder, like, it, to me, it didn't necessarily have the big oomph. Like, it's still very much like it's disrupting the dinner party, splash the paint, like you said. But we'd already seen these two characters duke it out in this way. And the kitchen scene where they're polishing silverware and dancing limbo together it kind of felt like they'd already reconciled by this point. Mm -hmm. So for the other audiences, I'm like, Ooh, this feels like the big revelation that there's an affair happening. But for us, it kind of felt like, Oh, well, uh, we've already seen the, the resolution to this, but I, I but what I kind of, the switch I flipped in my head is that she never really got to confront her husband about it. Yeah. So so it's more about embarrassing him in front of everybody at his big dinner than it is about uh, being like, you are the other woman who's messing with my husband because it was by that, this point in the story from our perspective, it's no longer about that. And so that was the special insight that my journey through the story could bring into that final moment that I think is helpful. Yeah, in terms of the scenes or the parts of the scene that were happening between the other characters and I guess the host in particular to deal with your storyline, I was very happy that I had seen the outdoor escapades, regardless of whether I was supposed to, because that did give me a lot of context for what was going on there. But I had no context for what the matriarch or the hostess meant in this story the hostess i could kind of at least understand that it's her husband who is involved in this this affair 
Mm-hmm. But so I could see the stake she had in it. But as a character, I didn't know what she had been through or what brought her to the stage. And the matriarch, I wasn't even sure whose mom she was necessarily right, right, right. based on how little I had seen her throughout my journey. So, yeah, I. but what I think is really nice about all of this, the whole, you know, fragmenting your audience in this way is that it's kind of like life. You can only mm-hmm. see the versions of the story that you see and you aren't privy yep. to what other people are bringing to. It's hard to walk a mile in their shoes when you have no idea what they've been through and you are ro- maybe rooting for a character that you have a special stake in, but to, from another person's perspective, they're the villain of the story. And yeah. I think that's very clear with my character being the secretary who is really one, the other woman who is disrupting this marriage, and two, probably a thief who's really just playing all of them, but then three, also has her own emotional arc here where she's, you know, maybe genuinely loves this person and feels bad about all the thievery that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, there's just so much layers. If I could have that many layers with one character, I could only imagine I know the vast network of dramaturgical character motivations, heel turns that had to be choreographed literally in the case of dance, but metaphorically choreographed of the grand ballet of keeping all of these characters making yep. sense. It's hard enough to write one very good farce where you have something going on with each of these characters, but to write it in a way where you don't even get to see what's going mm-hmm. on with all the characters is a whole new level of art, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and also to like have it be structured like you're following one character, but then to also allow the, yeah, the, the layers of each character be up to each audience's experience and perspective of that character. Like you just said, like, you know, you didn't necessarily know that the matriarch was the host's mother, but at the end of the day, it was just, the characters just called the matriarch. And I look back and I'm like, right, they were the matriarchal figure for the host in that duet I saw on my track. But coming to the dinner is served. It could just she could just be a stereotypical matriarch. It could have been the hostess's mom. It could have been the favorite. It could have been the wife of the Mm -hmm. father who just passed the company to her son. Like, there's just so many. And then just going back to the wedding dress, like, yeah, they that scene could have been like, you know, friends, let's transfix our imaginations and pretend we're in the favorite's house, even though we literally know the dinner is going to be served at the favorite's sister's house. So you being like, you know, I just took that dress moment as kind of being this is the wife's wedding dress. But also, it could just be a wedding dress. It could have been the hostess's wedding dress, which that's also some, like, layered subversion as well of, like, the secretary getting her hands on the favorite sister's wedding dress and then just being the image of a wedding dress tipping the wife off. Like, to allow there to be such specificity for the performer to create their own trajectory in the story, but then... Have it have so much accessibility to the spectators watching that, like, it's up to their own brains of deciding what's a symbolism for what or who is to what, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like even, like, I never saw the hostess and the other man interact at all in in my trajectory, but, like... When the other man and the host were pushed together at the dinner is served and the hostess was the one pushing the other man, mm-hmm. I instantly was like, oh my goodness, I bet you they're trapped. I bet you they had an, a, yeah. a running in with each other sure. and confronted each other through dance or like exposed each other in different ways. And that, how awesome is that? Of like, I feel like very rarely we see in media, like, you know, we always see the person having an affair and their lover and the person having the affair and their partner. But very rarely do you see the the lover and the partner that is being cheated on have kind of like a dance with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fact that she, the hostess, was the one pushing the other man towards her husband in that final scene. There, Something must have happened in there where maybe she became okay with this relationship yeah. she understands that you know you can't help who you are even though it's the 60s and we don't have the best sociological comprehension of the broad range of queerness that it's still understanding that this is for the best you two should be together and yeah, yeah this really 
just very well handled all of this. And oh I, my goodness, yeah, I would love to see this show eight different times and get every single character's perspective. And even Absolutely. then, I feel like there's still things that would be missed or not fully grasped because it's just such a complex network of individual people, motivations, ideas that finally come together at this grand dinner. Yeah, I hope this piece gets more legs. And even, I would, like I said, I like Ryan just said, I would love to be in this story and immerse myself alongside another character. But even if this, you know, story's chapters are closed, please, Toast for Dan, tell us that you are doing more immersive dance theater because it is astonishing. And I mentioned this in the last episode too. It's such a sense of community for the audience members coming to like we entered the space. Everyone was keen and excited to be on this immersive dance theater experience. And Ryan and I met some super cool people chatting before and after the piece. And yeah, it's just a wonderful ambiance created and it's storytelling to a next level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're here. So that was your bonus duet review of Dinner is Served by Toast for Dance, which happened at the Campbell House Museum here in Toronto. Again, choreographed and directed by Kristen Carconi, Ross Wertman, and Clinton Edward coming on as assistant choreographer and director as well. And we mentioned many of the performers throughout, but I just want to do a blanket congratulations, bravo, brava to all of the performers, all of the stagehands, all of the designers, all of the technical elements that came to create this pure masterpiece. Definitely something Ryan and I will be chatting at for eons. And yeah, we had a splendid time to say the least. So yeah, at this point, I guess we'll do our sign-offs as per usual. So Ryan, what do you got for us? Yeah, so no, again, as I said in the previous one, no need to follow me personally. But if you like my theater opinions, as you've just heard here, by all means, you can follow Cup of Hemlock Theater. That's where all of these thoughts tend to live. If you like what we do at the Cup, of course, that's the best place is to follow us. We're at COH Theater on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are Cup of Hemlock Theater on YouTube, where you might be watching this right now, or Cup of Hemlock Theater podcast and all the podcast places where you might be listening to this right now. Like, share, subscribe, follow, leave a comment if you want. We're always happy to hear from people to keep these theater enthusiasm discussions going. How about you, Jill? Where can people find and follow you? Yes, if you'd like to keep up with me, my artist Instagram account is jillian.robinson96. Got some super awesome projects down the line for 2023. So keep your eyes and ears peeled there. And as per usual, probably post some covers of tunes, maybe some 60s tunes inspired by this piece. But yeah, that's it for me. So as per usual, everyone, stay healthy, stay hydrated, stay kind to one another and to yourself. Dance, get out there and dance if you wanna. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in as always, and we will catch you on the next episode of The Cup. Cheers, everyone.